welcome. We are glad to have you. We are broadcasting today. Uh, we were all over the state. Um, after this weekend, man, that's it. My frequent drive, driver miles are going to be done. Sort of going to uh, Green Bay, I think, for a while. Maybe Chicago. Down there for the uh, Packers-Bears game. But today we are in uh, Viroqua. That's where we're at, Viroqua Hills uh, Country Club. As a matter of fact, today, tomorrow we're going to be down at the Norwegian Hollow. For those of you watching on the Bud Light live stream, uh, you've got some, what I can only describe as maybe rather bad golfers getting ready to tee off. So there you go. You can see them. There you have it. Uh, today, we talk a lot of Packers football. Packers are off to London. we got Paul Charchian coming on, going to give us some fantasy uh, advice. And I need it uh, because out of the Charches League, the guillotine league, two weeks in a row, I have uh, gone damn near out of the guillotine league. I, uh, I, I needed Debo Samuel to give me points, and uh, damned if he didn't, which was great, kept me in the league, but I am right now dead last. I went from being first overall to dead last. I really and, don't uh, care. Yeah, I know. <laughs> ben Kenny with a dynamite drop in. So um, we got that going on. We'll talk some fantasy today with the charge. Uh, we'll hear some out of uh, Green Bay. We're going to hear Aaron Rodgers. If you missed it, we didn't get a chance to air it yesterday. If you missed it, we're going to hear Aaron Rodgers talk today. Uh, we got Jesse Temple coming up from the Athletic. He covers the Badgers. We'll get his thoughts on this team moving forward as well. And I, I got to be honest, uh, today is the day that I have been kind of giddy for. And last night, driving out here, uh, I guess we got here, <laughs> excuse me, we got here, I don't know, about 12.30, 1 in the morning, up early this morning, was on locally, and uh, then came over to get set up here at the Viroqua Hills Country Club. And uh, I have been anticipating this day since last night at about 7.30 when Ben Kenny sent me yet another scandal in the world of competitive dance. Oh, my God. It's beautiful, Bill. I wasn't ready. I haven't really gotten my note sheet together. A lot of That's it is okay. just off the top That's of the okay. head. <laughs> That's okay. When you sent me that and I read the snippet, that uh, encouraging the sex scandal in the world. Is it clog dancing is what we're talking about? I don't know the difference between all of that. It is in Ireland. Dancing is, is big. They have dancing yeah. competitions. It's a big thing in schools and a big industry around it. And yes, it has been yeah. rocked with a massive, massive controversy. Massive scandal. Apparently flatly is flatly still alive. The Lord of the dance. I don't know Do you even remember uh, Flat? I can't remember what his first name was. Flatley was the uh, <laughs> the Lord of the Dance. Um, oh, Michael, Michael Flatley. Thank you very much. Michael Flatley was the Lord of the Dance, and he did this Irish thing, and he had this show that went on, and and uh, then he had split off from whatever the Irish other Irish dancers were, and there was a big argument. It was like they were gonna go to war with their feet or something, I guess. And, uh, yeah, they, Irish dancing is, is really cool. I mean, if, if you've ever seen it in person. But, uh, yeah, the Lord of the Dance, I, Michael Flatley, he didn't even touch the ground. He just was, like, floating around. I don't, I, his feet are just moving. I, I don't know what he was all about. But uh, this is, I can only assume, some type of tap and or clog dance where the scandal has been rocked with a sex scandal in the world of competitive clog dancing. So we've got updates on the Benoit Balls. In the use of uh, cheating in chess, we've got the fisherman who is stuffing lead sinkers down their catches to up their ounces. 
and now we've got a sex scandal in the world of clog dancing. So, Ben, <laughs> you just keep the and the and the one, one thing about all of this, none of it, not one of these stories come from the state of Florida. How about that? <laughs> that alone is something to talk about. Is the fact that Florida has been relatively quiet, although. Uh, all the all the you know the weirdness has been taken over by the hurricane that ripped through there. But as soon as that hurricane is now gone and everything's been revealed, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some weirdness that people are going to start finding in their backyards. So. I was going to say it's all happening while Aaron Judge breaks the home run record. Really makes right? you think. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something strange in the cosmos, to say the very least. No doubt. I think what I wonder the most, real quick, going into this weekend, the Browns yeah. play at home against the Chargers. I don't know right. how the city of uh, city of Cleveland, the state of Ohio, is going to be able to respond to what they saw in the walleye fishing tournament to really turn around and beat that football team that comes in. I would in think Cuyahoga they'd be distracted. County, yeah, you would assume. You would assume now the Chargers are coming from the West Coast, uh, and they have to land into this massive discrepancy that has become. Well, it was walleye fishing, correct? It wasn't bass fishing. It was walleye. Yes, the walleye tournament where uh, they had to rescue a couple of anglers from angry anglers because they were stuffing their fish with other fish and stuffing their fish with lead sinkers to add to their ounces and add to their catches and won the tournament and walked away with the money. And then others found out about it. and It just got ugly after that. And so, you know, the, the Browns, who are known for the dog pound, I mean, this, this was the, the fish pool, I guess, that these guys fell into. But it's, it's controversy surrounding the mistake on the lake. Oh, my God. But uh, that's going on. This begs one final question. Oh, geez, Would you go. rather have a large group of angry fishermen come after you after cheating or a very angry group of Irish dance parents come after you because you were having sex with the judge to fix the tournament? Oh. That's a great question. Because you're talking about angry, ang- angry people from across the pond. They may throw a spot of tea in your face. See you guys. They may throw a spot of tea in your face. So the tea could sting more than an ass whooping. But then again, if the fishermen get really creative, they can put a hook in your ass. And then you got to go and explain to somebody at, a, at, at an urgent care how you ended up with a hook in your ass. That's a great question. I'm going to have to ponder that. I might, I might take the hook in the ass. I don't need a spot of tea thrown in my face. I think we should ask Charchian. He would know. Then again, if it's coming from Ireland, it could be a whole pint of Guinness, and I'd take that every damn day. I'd just sit there and open my mouth and say, okay, hit me with your best shot. How are we looking? Throw on some goggles. You're good to go. So, <laughs> the show went careening off the rails, like right out of the chute. We were spinning. Sparks were flying. The train started to wobble, and down the hill we went, right down the hill. Ah, there you go. That's the way we start, though. Uh, good stuff. Um, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to do so again, 877-867-1670. Uh, you can find us there. Packers heading off to London. This matchup, for those that did not know, going to be played in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, apparently, you're not supposed to pronounce your T's. Maybe like, like you live on the East Coast. They, like Kristen, every now and then I'll talk to her. And she'll, like when she says she's going to Wheaton, Illinois, she doesn't say Wheaton. She goes, it's Wheaton. I'm like, what? 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 Wheaton? It's Wheaton. Going to Wheaton, Illinois. No, I'm going to Wheaton. 
But Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London going to be the local kickoff time at 2.30. 8.30 our time. The capacity of 62,850 can fit into that stadium. And it's the first regular season game outside of the country for the Packers. It's going to be the sixth game overall that they've played outside of the United States. But it is the first London matchup between two teams with winning records. And that is after they've been doing this thing since 2007. This is the first time two teams with winning records have matched up. Now we know that for a long time it was like Jacksonville, Carolina, you know, a couple of the lesser teams, Tampa Bay prior to Tom Brady getting there. There was some of the lesser teams that were going over there just because they were not getting home fans to come, so they didn't mind giving up a home game. And the reason the Packers weren't going, one is the Packers didn't want to give up a home game, but two, because so many of those teams, uh, so many because Packers fans travel so well. So it was almost guaranteed a sellout whenever you were facing the Green Bay Packers. So those teams did not want to give up a Packers game. So the Packers, who were supposed to get nine home games this year, only get eight, and they took that extra game, and they said, okay, we'll finally go. We'll give this up. The disappointing side of it is that because the Packers only had one preseason home game, and that would have been made up with the extra home game in the regular season, that means the city, the area, the town, misses out on that revenue, on game day revenue. The bars will not be as full. The streets will not be as full. The parking for the houses will not be as full. People coming to town to stay in hotels, people coming to town to spend money at restaurants and such will not happen. So the town loses out. That's the disappointing thing. But they are all they are all uh, fired up uh, over there in, uh, in London to, to get the Green Bay Packers there. Two drastically different sides of view, points of view. Uh, we're going to hear this when we come back because I want you to hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say. So I want to play that back from yesterday. If you haven't heard it already, you're going to hear it. If you did hear it, pardon us. But we know the head coach it, it seemed almost almost just irritable might be the best way to put it. Just Matt on the floor over the last couple of weeks has been noticeably irritable. Um, some say he's getting arrogant. He's been a winning coach. He's got this 13-plus record going on every year, you know, um, and oh, boy, he's getting too big for his britches. I don't think so. I think this guy has been through – you talk about a head coach taking over a program who has been through a lot. He comes in, Rodgers isn't sure about coming back. He's got to build a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. You know, all the talk was, can this guy make Rodgers happy? And then the offseason that pisses Rodgers off. He doesn't want to come back and play. He wants out and such and such. And then they have to go through that craptastic scenario. Then he gets to the postseason, loses an NFC championship game. A lot of talk about Rodgers focusing too much on Adams. Adams getting too many opportunities. Next year comes and goes. They end up losing again. Their offense looked terrible in the postseason. A lot of Devontae Adams talk again. And then they can't make up their mind. Roger's not sure when he wants to come back. Devontae wants a contract. There was a lot of back and forth there. Bakhtiari's down. Cobb has to come back because he's got to be the security blanket for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, a lot going on. They're manipulating the roster. They're doing many of these things to appease the quarterback. In the meantime, Devontae Adams wants out. 
He uh, is not coming back at any cost. Talk to you later. He wants to go other places, so he goes off to Las Vegas. And now um, he's stuck with three rookies, including Samari Torre, that he has to get up to speed quicker than normal. He doesn't have as many weapons. He's got a quarterback that, you know, while he's saying it's a business trip and we're going to stay in the hotel and we're going to get our work done and you got to concentrate and trying to send that message, the whole quarterback is saying, no, I want to go out and get a pint of Guinness and I'm going out and see the sights. And he's saying, no, look, get a taste of it. I hope you, hopefully you go back in the off season. But his quarterback's like, no, I'm pretty happy. I'm going over and I'm doing my own thing. So, you know, and, and then being told what time he can do things and management of clocks and body clocks. And so I, I don't think it's irritation uh, with the media or getting too big for your britches. I think he's just, man, it's got a lot going on. It's got a lot going on. He's been put through uh, the ringer over the last few years. So give the man a little breathing room, a little credit for guys' sakes. But you will hear from the quarterback. You will hear from Aaron Rodgers when we come back, so stay tuned. We are broadcasting live here in Viroqua, Wisconsin, which uh, it, it's always beautiful. I love coming here. I uh, was greeted this morning, not with handcuffs, but uh, the State Patrol uh, over at uh, Quick Trip today uh, came in and said hello. And thanks to all the guys, the men and women that uh, stop by, that uh, protect us and work out here, the police department, the fire department, the first responders. But a lot of people came by and said hello today. It was really a nice Nice little gathering, a quick trip, and down the road a little bit later on. So thanks to everybody for hanging out with us, and uh, thanks to, uh, uh, you know, out here in Viroqua Hills and the golf course for putting us up. And also for Vernon Communications. My God, when we walk into this place now, they know what we need. They know our Internet needs. They know our line needs. And uh, they bust their ass to get it done and get it done right. So today we're here at the Country Club. Tomorrow we're down at Norwegian Hollow. And everything, uh, as far, knock on wood, is perfectly smooth. So no no quirks at all. It's absolutely awesome. So thanks to everybody for helping us out. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show live here in Viroqua right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Welcome one. Welcome all. We are glad to have you. Hour number two of the Bill Michael Show. We are live. We are in Viroqua, Viroqua Hills Country Club, your golf course, if you're watching on the Bud Light live stream. Good to have you. Good to have you today. Uh, kind of a, a rainy, blustery day. We were going to play some golf today, but that might be in jeopardy. You know why? Because I brought shorts. Uh, I just, I, I don't have, like, golf pants. Ben, well, if you wear pants, are you, you're not golfing in jeans, right? I have pants, Bill. Don't worry. Okay. You have golf pants? I would assume you do, but I'm just making sure. Uh, but I have golf shorts. I brought a pair of shorts. I thought it was going to be in the mid-60s all the way through later this afternoon and tonight. And, boy, I was wrong. So, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to be doing some golfing today. We'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, terrific article in The Athletic. We were talking about it before. Jesse Temple, the author of that, uh, joining us on the hotline. You can follow him at Jesse Temple over on uh, Twitter. Uh, joining us now on the hotline. Jesse, how you been, man? <laughs> it's been a busy, exhausting week, but that's part of the business. So hanging in there. How are you, Bill? I'm good. Um, I, I, wanted, I read the article, and I, there was things that I already knew and then things that you brought to light. And it, my first reaction, I'll give you my gut reaction. My reaction was if I'm a Wisconsin fan or somebody in that athletic department, I should be embarrassed. Um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly parts of the story that uh, highlight why Paul Christ is no longer the head coach. And, I mean, 
the recruiting situation, which is a big part of the story, and for those listening who may not know, um, you know, Wisconsin Saeed Khalif, who is the director of player personnel, left in June of 2021 to take over a role at Michigan State, and Paul Christ opted to uh, move some pieces around from within and basically had no real recruiting staff. He had one person and a bunch of assistant coaches, and um, that's the way it was done for decades. So it's not like that hadn't been done before, but in an era where things are changing in college football, um, I just think it was bad optics, and there were clearly some issues at, during that time. Ultimately, he did fill out the staff, but to me, and, and the way I framed it in the story, I think it was another indicator of uh, kind of the direction things were going. I think we can all acknowledge right now that Wisconsin is farther away from achieving its goals than it was three years ago when it played Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. The recruiting, when you start to look at other programs, and we were just sitting here talking off air about facilities, uh, I had said, look, I, I've been to the campus in Columbus. Their facilities are better than the Packers. Uh, when you look at, uh, you go to Alabama, same thing. Auburn, I've seen Auburn's facilities. Their, their facilities are absolutely amazing. Um, you know, when you look at those facilities of these programs uh, in big money conferences, and then you look at the facilities out at Wisconsin, um, the facilities obviously play into it when you're trying to show off to recruits what it is you have. I get building things for boosters and alumni and making the game day experience better inside the stadium. I understand all of that. But when you're an incoming possible freshman and you're kind of comparing schools, man, that makes a difference too, doesn't it? It certainly plays a role. You're talking about high school kids, and I think it's worth acknowledging that there's a $300 million indoor football practice facility that uh, – is in the works apparently and uh you know that would go a long way because certainly the, the indoor practice facility is what 35 years old 30 plus years old and then it's not even a 100 yard field it's 80 yards like the specialist right. literally cannot <laughs> a punter cannot field a and kick a clean punt in there so I, I think it contributes a little bit but on the whole and i think where wisconsin has thrived is they get guys who understand everything that the program is about and that it's bigger than that like ultimately they want to get better kids. But if you're the kind of kid who's not going to pick Wisconsin because the indoor practice facility isn't what it is at Ohio State, uh, you know, I don't know if Wisconsin was going to get that kid to begin with. But the larger overarching point, yeah, you got to be able to keep pace. And I think Wisconsin is trying to get there. Okay, uh, which is good. I mean, uh, absolutely, I agree that they have this new facility in the works, so they're trying to do certain things in certain areas. But when it comes to recruiting, now, you bring up an example of a kid that came on campus, really didn't even get acknowledged. Nobody really talked to the guy, and he walks away. He signs with Michigan, and he's really begun to blossom. You know, talk about examples like that and, and problems because they because of the understaffing of the recruiting department and the way they go about their business, where things have fallen through the cracks and you've lost out what could possibly be recruits that are coming here to other particular schools. Well, that's the biggest example, and that's why it's included in the story. Um, I mean, I can't speak specifically to whether there were other players, but I do know from the sources that I spoke to it um, sounded as though that the people who were in charge of the recruits and handling recruits for home games didn't necessarily have lists provided to them on which players would be attending. and That's kind of a problem. But I also want to make it clear that moving forward, this is a different situation there there are eight people in the department now mickey turner was brought over from being the tight ends coach to being in charge of recruiting and and so it's not their fault the staff's fault right now for what took place it certainly i think put them uh up against it a little bit but i, I also had a chance to talk to eric johnson who was the man who was 
tasked by Paul Chris with handling the recruiting um, in, in filling a role. And, and he felt like they did as good a job as they could. And, and he felt like, I mean, his comments essentially highlighted more of an old school philosophy, which I think would rankle Badgers fans in that the, the, the philosophy he said was similar to Iowa, which he was where he was before. It's not always about the stars. It's about developing players. But he also said that he felt as though that there are staffs now fully devoted to social media and they're bombarding kids more. These are his, his words. And that the graphic design department has gotten bigger. And he felt as though that what has become more in this culture is not necessarily a great more because he thinks it's kissing kids' tails and constantly being in front of them rather than letting the kids earn things themselves. Um, to me, I think that speaks to kind of a larger point about what was happening within the department in the last year at a time when other programs have a different philosophy. And I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, that philosophy um, is not worthwhile because forever Wisconsin fielded very good teams with players that may not have gotten an Ohio State offer. But these times are changing, and it's just one point among others that sort of highlight why Wisconsin was falling behind. Talking with Jesse Temple of The Athletic covering the Wisconsin Badgers. Okay, so then give me your assessment as to Paul Christ, the downfall, and moving forward in the direction that this 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 school this program needs to go well my assessment of the downfall is that it comes down to the on-field product and so uh, as much as we want to talk about those recruits and, and what happened like none of those guys are actually playing the thing about that i try to highlight in this story is paul is a is a good man and people love and respect him here and that is because he cares so much about people but and a parent that i spoke to for the story said that it, paul's greatest strength is also one of the biggest flaws which is that he is loyal to a fault and i bring that up uh because when we're talking about the football perspective he never fired a coach at, at, during his time an assistant coach during his time as head coach and, and that can be okay if you succeed but he, he made moves during the offseason to change his staff and he moved chris herring from being a special teams coordinator to the tight ends coach he never coached tight ends he brought in al johnson after the unfortunate uh situation with gary brown who passed away the running backs coach and al johnson had been a head coach at the division school two school but he'd never coached running backs um he came in to coach running backs bobby ingram is the offensive coordinator had never called plays so he knew all of those people very well but if you're going to make those moves you've got to have success and they did not and also the offense just wasn't good enough so that falls on the head coach because he makes 5.25 million dollars a year it also falls on the players they did not execute the offensive line was overwhelmed against illinois wisconsin ran for two yards the passing game hasn't been what people hoped. Graham Mertz came in, was supposed to do these great things, and to this point, I think it's been a challenge to, to meet those expectations, whether those are fair or not is another conversation. But that's kind of where Paul's gotten to at this point in terms of what Jim Leonard needs to do. Um, he's got to get this team to play more consistent football, and I think he can do that. The challenge for him is this is still the same team as it was against Illinois, so you had problems against the Illini. You might still have those problems moving forward. So, I want to stick with Graham Mertz for a second. Do you feel Graham Mertz has been over-evaluated and under-talented, or do you feel with the changes that have gone on, he has never been properly developed? Yeah, that is uh, that's a, a difficult question to answer. I think the talent was there. You look at what he did in, in high school; it was tremendous. But you. Recruiting is a crapshoot, Bill. It just is. Even if you've got the highest-rated quarterback in program history coming in, that doesn't mean it's going to be successful. He ran a, a spread offense at his high school in Kansas where there were five wide, and he could stand back there, and there was never any pressure. Um, I think a lot of it to him has come down to like decision-making um, and adjusting to what you have to do to succeed.
speed in college, he has gotten better. And I, I just talked to him about this like two weeks ago. It was before the Ohio State game, so people may uh, have forgotten what's happened since then, and understandably so. But he made a lot of offseason changes, in particular his mechanics, which made a huge difference. And early in the season, he was not the reason Wisconsin was losing. The defense isn't as good as what it was last year. The offensive line is not dominant as it traditionally is. Um, so there's a lot of other issues. But he hasn't played up to anyone's potential, and I think he would probably admit that himself. The uh, the defense, let's talk about that for a minute. Jim Leonard, his defense is, I know Kirk Herbstreit talked about it time and again in the, in the Ohio State games, that the, for them to get boat raced is so unbelievably uncharacteristic. His defensive defenses have always been in the top five, top ten in the country, and all of a sudden they're finding themselves struggling big time as well. What has been the problem specifically that you see with the defense? Jim Leonard talked about it this week that it's a lack of consistency in how he described it is they can have a call against the offense and their call and it goes for no gain and then at another point in the game it can be the same call defense first offense and it goes for a big game and that's a problem to me a lot of it stems from that it this is not as good of defense as it was last year I think Having Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, like you cannot overstate how incredible those guys were. They were the best inside linebacker tandem in the country. They're both on NFL rosters this year. And your two inside linebackers this year, while talented, didn't have very much experience. Um, the secondary has dealt with some injuries, and there's a lot of transfers in there. And so I just feel like the pieces haven't necessarily come together. There's still a lot of talent there, um, but it's a lot of other, it's a lot of problems. And, and I also, and this is in the story as well, think that this team has struggled to adjust to the new leadership because they lost eight guys from the defense last season because they lost some key pieces on offense. And sometimes it doesn't fully come together. And John Torchio, one of the team's starting safeties, one of the leaders on the team said after the game on Saturday, that something's off with the team. Obviously Chris, Chris McIntosh felt like uh, making a change with the head coach could, could change that. But that also falls on the players as well. Talking with uh, Jesse Temple of the athletic covering the Wisconsin Badgers, really good piece uh, regarding Paul Chris, the recruiting situation at Wisconsin as well. It's in The Athletic. If you haven't read it already, I sent a link out over on Twitter. You can find it there. So is this an audition for Jim Leonard, or do you feel that he has the job? It is now him that is going to revamp the coaching staff, revamp and work with the expanded recruiting and all the different departments when we just discuss social media and the aspects there and to try to put this thing back on the tracks? Or do you think this is just merely you're going to audition and after that it is an open invitation for any and all comers to possibly be the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. Chris McIntosh talked at his news conference on Sunday night and said that this is going to be a search. This is, I mean, this is a huge job. So Jim Leonard doesn't have this locked up. However, this, in my opinion, would not have been done if Leonard wasn't on staff because that's how highly people think of him. Yes, this is an audition, but he it's his job to lose. Now, what does it look like for him to ultimately earn the job? To me, they've got to be a more consistent football team. They don't have to win every game, but you can't lose the way you just lost against Illinois. You've got to be competitive in every game. And frankly, I never thought I'd say that about a Wisconsin team where that's the level that the Badgers have to be at. But they have to show improvement. If Wisconsin goes 0-7 and is somehow a worse team at the end of the year, I think it would be difficult to say that Jim Leonard did enough. But he's been successful at everything he's done. <laughs> he's a three-sport right. athlete in high school, obviously the walk-on to All-America story in college. And he's been successful as a coach. He was a defensive coordinator just two years into being a coach, and he had one of the best defenses in the country. So everything is lined up for him to do it, but he's got to put in the work. He knows that, and so do the players. 
Oh, uh, Chris McIntosh. Uh, I want to talk about him for a minute because, you know, he, uh, you know, takes the cupboard that seemingly was full from Barry Alvarez and obviously now had to make his biggest move in his short tenure. Uh, are all of these things, is this all budgetary as well? Is this, you know, the, the, you know, the line that people are using is, well, Wisconsin's cheap. They won't spend the money. Ohio State will spend the money. Wisconsin will spend the money. Is this budgetary stuff? Is this stuff that they're not doing because they just don't want to pay for it? I don't agree with that at all, to be honest, Bill. Paul Chris made $5.25 million. That is a whole hell of a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure if you're asking whether he made this decision because of monetary reasons. No, no, um, I'm talking about now Now he has the, 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 the responsibility of not just bringing in a new head coach, but assistants sure. and recruiting departments and social media uh, departments and just the overall budgetary stuff. Are they putting enough into the program to, to say, look, we're, we're a Big Ten school. We, we should be competing with the Ohio States, the Penn States, the Michigans okay. and such. And we don't want to come in last when it comes to the spending of money because we want to be cheap. In my opinion, budget is not an issue. I don't even think the conversation about cheapness should be had. I know that it's sort of a hangover, perhaps, from the Brett Bielma era when he left and bemoaned that assistant coaches weren't paid enough money and they were going elsewhere or getting offered more money. Jim Leonard was making over a million dollars to be the coordinator. Obviously, he'd mm-hmm. earned that. That's a lot of money for a coordinator. So, And the assistant coaches, in my opinion, aren't aren't being underpaid. They're, they're paid a lot more now than they were at the time Brett Bielman was the coach. Obviously, some of that has to do with the changing times and inflation. But in general, I think Wisconsin has made great strides. And with the recruiting resp- department, with respect to that, they've got an eight-person staff now. So when Saeed Khalif was here, and I talked to him about this last August, the largest number that he had was four. Now, at the end, in 2020 when he left, it was a COVID year, and there were budget cutbacks, and there were only two people left. That was more related to COVID. But they've got eight people there. So they're fully staffed. Um and, and that's what the plan is moving forward. So in my mind now, it, it is not a budgetary issue. And when you talk about trying to compete with the Ohio State and the Penn State's Michigans of the world, that comes down to getting the players. Obviously, having financial means uh, is a contributing factor. But you've got to go and get the players. Um, and that's where Wisconsin's at right now. Looking at, and last question before I let you go, but looking at Wisconsin's schedule the rest of the way, and obviously, you know, they're on the road at Northwestern, a place they traditionally don't play very well, at Michigan State. Purdue, Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. Is there a game that they should either not be? Will they be favored in most of these games or not? I don't know whether they'll be favored. I don't set the line, but I can't imagine they'll be favored against Iowa. And if Minnesota continues to play reasonably well, I don't know. I mean, that's obviously a home game for Camp Randall. But I look at it more of what what does this team have to do to make the progress it needs? Um, And record-wise, I don't even know what the answer is there. If they go 4-3 and and are 500 and go to a bowl game, that almost feels like a success based on where things stand. So uh, I think that's kind of how I'm looking at it more. I don't know whether they'll be favored or not, but the Big Ten West is wide open. I think anybody can admit that. It is (laughs) not a great division. There is no clear-cut great team. Minnesota looks pretty good and then lost last week. Northwestern beat Nebraska in the opener and has lost four straight games and lost to an FCS school and a, a MAC school. So it's wide open. I don't think Wisconsin's going to end up winning. If they do, it'd be one heck of a story we'll be talking about in a couple of months. But it's there for the taking in terms of trying to win a lot of these games. Jesse, great stuff, man. I appreciate all the time you gave us today. Thanks for giving us some insight into the Wisconsin football program, okay? Thanks, Bill. Take care. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Jesse Temple, really, really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. If you haven't read the article, I highly recommend it. It is an inside look at Paul Christ's and Wisconsin's downfall and what led to a shocking midseason firing. And uh, he put this thing out today. 
and a really, really interesting piece. Really interesting piece if you haven't read it already. You just got to get uh, got to get a look, without a doubt. Uh, let's do this. When we come back, I can, uh, I can pound my chest a little bit and say I was right. I'll tell you what about. You're probably wondering a little bit. Ben, you might be raising your eyebrow. I was right. I was right. I feel good about it. I feel good, but yet then again, I also feel bad because the circumstance means things are really crappy. I'll tell you what we're talking about when we come back. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.